This is the Endurance Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. It's hard to discern, but the truth is, biblically, we're all sinners and have fallen very short of the glory of God. We have to understand that concept truly when we talk about Jesus Christ because he came to a world full of sinners. There wasn't one person who is, quote, quote, more of a sinner than the, the next because the truth is all sin separates and all sin has a consequence. Sin, genuinely speaking, is basically the separation of your relationship. And I like to give this particular analogy. Now, understand there are nine different words in the Greek for sin. The one we're going to talk about today is harmatia, or missing the mark. And missing the mark is kind of like, as everybody's heard this analogy, you've been in church, you're like somebody who has a compound bow. I don't know, I'm from West Virginia, so the only bows I knew about were compound, but like the, I don't know, anyway. So, so you have a bow and you try to shoot it at the mark and you miss it, and that's, that's it. The, the mark is Jesus Christ. But how does that look practically speaking? Well, practically it's like a, a couple, and there was an offense done in the relationship, a, a transgression, something. And because of that, there's this space that now exists. In this space, this awkwardness that exists, that's, that's sin. And there's something that has to happen to reconcile that couple back together. And until there's reconciliation, there's this weirdness, this hostility, this animosity, this enmity that exists. So that's why in Christ, his ministry was the reconciliation of the world. And it's our responsibilities as believers to do this ministry, the ministry of reconciliation, to partake in this ministry because that's God's hope and heart, that the world will be reconciled to himself. Now, when we talk about reconciliation, we have to understand that God's goal is relationships in the kingdom of God. God is in the process of expanding his kingdom throughout all the universe. And that kingdom is built up based upon people. Hey, babe, good to see you. Based upon people. Oh, that's my wife back there. Just, I'm sorry. Just, I do that. <laughs> we had a problem this morning, and Greg saved the day. So thank you, Greg, whenever you get in. Um, and that's God's heart, to win the world to himself, to have this intimate relationship with humanity. But the problem is when we go back to the Old Testament, sometimes it seems like what's more important than a relationship with God are these laws or these ceremonial rituals. Hey, Augustus, I see you, buddy. And because of these rituals, because they, in a sense, were something that could be manipulated, the rituals actually start to expand and increase. And over time, the Jewish nation led by its leaders started to drift away from what was more important, more important, a relationship with God. Now, God still had the Jewish nation obligated 
to fulfill these ceremonial requirements. And because of that, there was a challenge that happened in Jesus' ministry. They were constantly talking about the law, but they kept missing the most important thing, loving God. So we can keep all the laws. And, and honestly, we are in the, prone to do the exact same thing the Jewish people did. We can, in church, become very religious. And when you become religious, you get comfortable. But religion doesn't help you find healing. It doesn't bring you closer in a relationship. Religion is designed to keep the status quo, to keep these traditions going. Religion, for most people, is something easy to grasp hold on to because, what, you can control it. But controlling a relationship with God, that is very difficult because you have to be humble. You have to be vulnerable. You have to have the hard conversations consistently because if you mess up the relationship, obviously it's your fault, not God's. We've been over the course of this uh, year, starting in September, talking about the teachings of Jesus Christ. And Jesus' primary message was the kingdom of God. And we're going to talk about different aspects of the kingdom. But today we're going to talk about a concept that I believe was kind of taken out of context by the church. There's a quote that I think is very appropriate for today's message. And everybody knows the song. I didn't talk to the worship people about singing it because I didn't want to have to throw anything extra out there at the last minute. But I think most people may know of this song. I don't even know the harmony or the melody. I don't know. One of the two. The beat. That's all I know. There is a voice that must be heard, the song goes. There is a song that must be sung. There is a name that must be lifted high. There is a treasure more than gold. There is a king upon the throne. There is one whose praise will fill the skies. And this is the part everybody knows. His name is Jesus, friend of sinners. Jesus, Jesus, friend of mine. If you can't open your Bible to Matthew chapter 9. The beautiful thing about the Jewish culture is this. We have the context to understand what they're talking about. Today, if I'm here in America and I say, man, Greg is awesome. Well, two years from now, that might mean something completely different. If I say, oh, Greg is bad, in the 80s, that meant Greg is what? Good. <laughs> if I say, oh, Christy is so cool, well, if you're in Minnesota, that might be something different than Florida. So there's uh, this oscillating context that we have today, and that vacillating context exists in every single culture under the sun but one, the Jewish culture. The Jewish culture had these very specific rules and regulations so that we can interpret what in the world was being said in this context. That's the beauty of the Jewish culture. They help us understand Jesus. We don't understand Jesus' words without the background of the Jewish culture. And without that culture, see, we can make Jesus say whatever we want him to say. And even though people often do do that, that's not what God's heart was. When he, uh, Matthew chapter 12 is the changing point of the book of Matthew. From 1 all the way to 12, Jesus is trying to win everybody, particularly the religious leaders, walked away from following the religious commandments of God. They just said, forget it. I can't keep those laws, so I'm just going to do my own thing. For a variety of reasons, we don't know, but they gave up hope 
on God. And because of that, some of them became tax collectors, some became prostitutes, and others sorted of different vocations. But nevertheless, understand this one point. These people have rejected God. And now, a miracle happens. The God of heaven comes down, and he's hanging with overt sinners. But he's doing it to make a point. If you go back earlier in Matthew, particularly 1 through 9, 1 through 8, we remember the story of the individual who could not walk. He was on his bed, and his four friends got on top of the house, and they dug a hole in the roof, and they let this friend down. Now, this is the most important part. And once the friend was down, Jesus says in front of everybody, particularly the religious leaders, he says, what first? Your sins are forgiven. And the people are saying, what? Who, are, who can forgive sins but God? And that was their conclusion. And Jesus doesn't change their mind. He keeps running with it. He's like, oh, what is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say what? Pick up your mat and walk. But to show you the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins, hey, I tell you, pick up your mat and walk. And the guy picked up his mat and walked. Now, based upon that miracle, there were people there who said, oh, my goodness, who does God think he is? But there were other people there who got the revelation. There were people there who realized, oh, my goodness, this guy has the ability to forgive sins. And one of those individuals was Matthew. Matthew was a sinner. Jesus said, come and follow me. And Matthew realized, what? This guy can forgive sins. So Matthew leaves his profession and begins to follow Jesus. And he does the first thing that a good sinner would do. He has a house party. That's right. He takes Jesus to a house. Oh, no, I know you're out there. You know what I'm talking about. Yes, Matthew takes Jesus to the house party. Now let's jump into the text. And 9, it says, as Jesus pastored there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. Obviously, Matthew knew who he was. Obviously, Matthew heard about him. And this is why I'm saying just preceding this, Jesus forgives the sin of an individual. Matthew realizes Jesus has this ability. I'm going to follow Jesus. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house. Now, Jesus, he goes there to hang out with sinners, to reveal God's heart, and that's for relationship. He says here, and Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold many tax collectors and sinners. All these sinners. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, oh my goodness, that was like anticlimactic. Why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and sinners? What is he doing? Why is he hanging with these sinners? It was a rhetorical question with an accusation pointed at the end of it. He's trying to say he is off. Jesus is off. He's out of sync with God because he's hanging with sinners. When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those, now he's made his point there. We've talked about this last week. 
Jesus did not come to the earth to save the people who are healthy, but he came to the earth to save the people who are what? Sick. But the point is, and this is the point you have to understand, everybody's sick. All of us are sick. It's just some people know it. The Pharisees were unwilling that destroyed their whole social structure. The Pharisees' whole sociological standpoint was from this perspective. We know the law, and because of how much we know the law, we get paid. We have our place in society. Point here being made by Jesus Christ. And here is the main point. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. This is the point Jesus is trying to make. This is why he came and hung out with sinners, so that he can make this point to the Pharisees. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. This scripture right here has befuddled me for years. I've struggled with this particular application because I just didn't understand what he meant. But if you turn to Hosea 6, I believe, chapter 6, there it is in its context. In ancient Israel, they were actually worshiping idols. And instead of stopping the practice of idolatry, instead of, and this is what God wanted more than anything else, them crying out to God for mercy, they just came up with more sacrifices, different sacrifices, in order to be right with God. So they thought, hey, you know what? God accepts sacrifices. He likes sacrifices, so I'll make more sacrifices so that I can continue in the bad behavior I have. But they did not do the very thing God always wanted. God wanted them to cry out for mercy. God wanted to relate to them. He wanted to interact with them. Haven't you ever struggled with the sin? And did you say, okay, in order to get back right with God, I got to do this, 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 and this, right? I got to go to church, and then I got to fast. I got to cut off my TV for a couple weeks, and if I stay absent for about two weeks, oh, I'm back right with the Lord. We get in that. These religious practices, man, I shouldn't have cussed that person out. Oh, I feel bad all week because I cussed them out. I asked for forgiveness, but you know what? I still feel bad. I need to... I need to do penance. I need to, to, to pay more on my tithes and offerings so that I feel better. I need to go out and serve the poor so I feel better. But in doing these acts, we miss what God wants more than anything. What he wants is this. Oh, Lord, mercy. I should not have watched that TV show. I should not have cheered for the Green Bay Packers. Oh, Lord, help me now. I'm falling off. I didn't even go with the Bears. You know I could have you Bears fans in here. You're next. (laughs) But understand how amazing this point is. God is not wanting from us these rules. Those rules are important. Now, you have to understand the English. He says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. This is a hard idiom to translate in English. It's really trying to say he, des- he prefers mercy above sacrificial offerings. He's not trying to say get rid of sacrifices. The ceremonial laws are there to reveal our separation from God. 
If you're defiled, you can't enter God's presence unless you do certain ceremonial laws. He's not trying to say get rid of that. He's trying to say this. Man, you guys, you're so focused on these ceremonial laws, and that's not the point. The point is you can't do anything right, and you know it. So why don't you just do the one thing that you should have done from the very beginning? Cry out to me. Talk to me. Don't go with your catalog list of things you need to do to be right with God. Get on your knees and cry. It doesn't have to be understood by human words. God understands our moans, our sobs. God wants us to be broken and to come into his presence. God wants to show us mercy. And where mercy is there is the evidence of a relationship. But if I just started doing these catalog lists of things, oh, I'm right with God now because I didn't watch Netflix for a month. I gave up Batman for a year. Ooh, I'm right. You know that was the Lord. I didn't go there. Nevertheless, listen to what he says here. This is the explanation with the literary connective four. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You have to understand once again, I tried to make the point three times, and this will be four. Who are the sinners? Everyone. All of us are sinners. And he's asking us all the same thing. If I told you my sins right now, many of you would walk away. I believe that. But if you told me your sins, probably many of us would walk away too. I'm just being honest. (laughs) We're all sinners. The problem is when people think that their sin is not that bad. And others, oh, their sin is horrible. But understand, every sin is going to result in judgment unless we ask for God's mercy. Got a couple points that we're done for the day. Point one, those who acknowledge that they are sinners are more susceptible to the gospel. Last week, we talked about those people who were broken. They became Jesus' first followers, the diseased, the sick, the lame. All these people got healed, delivered, and they began to follow Jesus. Here, we don't see this big exodus or this big following. We see here this fundamental truth. And what's that? You got to humble yourself. You got to realize you're a sinner just like everybody else. He's He's not justifying sin here. A lot of people take the scripture and say, oh, yeah, Jesus goes to the people who are sinners. He just hangs out with them. That's not what he's doing. He's hanging out with them to make a point. And the point is, everyone needs to cry out for mercy. Everyone. Jesus died for the sinner who I am one of them. And so are you. But if you think keeping rules and regulations is going to make you righter, or keep you in right standing with God, then you're off. All of us need to cry out for mercy. That's a humbling thing to do. But it's the wisest thing we could ever do. Those who acknowledge they are sinners, they're more susceptible to the gospel. Those people have a heart that's willing to receive, to honor the words of God. For someone to say, I don't need Jesus' salvation, they're saying, in a sense, they don't need God. They can do this on their own. All they need to do is do a couple of more good things here and pass out two more Christmas gifts here, and then, oh, I'm good. Or maybe, hey, I'll tithe a little bit more. I'm, then, I'm, oh, I'm really good. 
No. I'm not saying don't give more. Jared will get on me if I say that. Give to your heart's content. But that's not the point. The point is, do you realize your position in relation to God, not to other people? The Pharisees kept comparing themselves to the sinners. But the truth is, we all should be comparing ourselves to Jesus. And we fall short of that mark. Next point, understand how Jesus did ministry and do the same. There are people in this world who are overtly sinners. They just say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to follow God. I'm going to do my own thing. YOLO. YOLO. You only live once. And because of that, I'm going to do what I need to do to feel good. Because I can only feel good one time through. And these people are in trouble. These are the people who need to understand, you need to cry out for mercy. And God went to those people. There's a conscience we all have. We're trying to numb our conscience many times. Our culture right now doesn't believe in a conscience. They believe it's a social construct, in a sense, something fabricated because of evolution. And because of this evolutionary social construct, we can get rid of it or it vacillates as culture changes. But God's word never changes. People genuinely know when they're doing wrong. Everybody has a conscience. And because of that, there is this opportunity people have to come to Jesus Christ. But we need to cry out for mercy. Help me, God. I'm wrong, and you're right. Next point. Reach out to those who are honest about their condition. You know the people in your life who are honest about their faults, their failures, their hang-ups, their bad habits. Somebody reached out to me. I remember when someone kept reaching out to me, trying to tell me about Jesus. I'm like, please leave me alone. I want to sin. I like to sin. These are, this was me. I'm like, don't come to me with God because he's going to stop me having fun. Give me just a couple more years of sowing my oats. Oh, I got some of you there. But nevertheless, God was like, no, 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 no. You don't have much time. You need to get right today. There are people out there who are waiting for us to show God's grace, to give them an opportunity to say, you know what, I know I'm a sinner. I just need God's mercy. Now, they don't need to cry out to you, but they do need to cry out to God. That didn't always happen, have to happen in church. That can happen at home. But the main thing they need to do, cry out to God for mercy. We need to do this so that we can be effective in our efforts for God's kingdom. When we go to those people who are overt sinners, sometimes there are Christians who target very specifically people who are overt sinners. Has anybody heard of, and this is going to be, well, has anybody heard of Triple X? Triple X? It's a ministry for people who are struggling with pornography. They actually go to conferences. Now, that ain't my ministry. Number one, my wife would not allow me to go there. Trust me. I can't even watch what I want to watch on the TV. Last night I'm watching TV. She's like, doesn't have bad scenes. I'm like, babe, I'm fast forwarding through it right now. I'm just, I, I can't even watch everything. Number one, because she won't allow me, but, but that's not my ministry. But there are people who are called to minister to people who are sinners, overtly. 
Don't take that off the table. There may be people in your life right now who are just hot on fire trying to do everything but do God's will. Jesus says something about that. He said, I wish you were either hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'm regurgitating you. Those people who are on fire or super cold, those are the ones who are ready. But you can't just pass them by because you're like, wait a minute, those are the sinners. No, God will use that entire scenario to help win others to him. Those people are prime. Remember, Jesus went to these people because he was trying to convey a message to the world, to the Pharisees. Not just for those people's sake, but for others as well. Everybody knew Matthew was an overt sinner and the people he hung with. But he went to Matthew, not just for Matthew's sake, but for all the people who would see Jesus there. You may have people in your life right now who are running quickly away from God. As fast as humanly possible. Our job is not simply to make them feel good. Our job is to get them to realize Jesus Christ died for that. Cry out for mercy while you have time. Jesus had a ministry strategy. This is my, I worked on this one. This was good. No, nobody. Okay, I'll try harder next week. Jesus had a strategy. He had an outreach strategy, an evangelism plan. It was to go out to the sinner and reveal himself as God so they understand the good news. See, these people who were sinners, you have to understand their mentality. These are the people who had given up on God. They just were like, man, forget it. I can't keep all these laws. Forget this system. Forget church. I'm just going to go out there and keep on sinning. And Jesus came for them. And they were willing to receive his message. Because Jesus can even forgive the worst of sinners. Even though right now we're talking about, you know, Matthew and his life. Paul says what? I'm the worst sinner. Paul's like, I was killing Christians. But God, to show his unending grace, saved me. I don't know who you know or how far they're away from God. All you need to do is trust and obey. Tell them about Jesus Christ. God has got them. You just got to trust God and convey this message of hope to those people who may have no hope. Remember, honesty is where the road begins. Honesty. My hope is that we are a church that will be transparent and honest. There won't be one person that ever graces the doors of Endurance Church who will be sinless unless Jesus Christ himself walks through that door. And the Bible says Jesus Christ won't come back this way the second time. It actually says he'll be in the air. So I don't think anybody perfect will ever come through this door. But because of that truth, our job isn't, in a sense, to glorify sin. It's to be transparent about our faults. That's where healing takes place. The problem is people sin and they keep it to themselves. And they start blowing up. And we see you blowing up. We see the smoke. And where there's smoke, there's propane. (laughs) We're in this together. 
This is not a church that gives up on people. We're not that prideful. I don't know. We're not that good. I don't know. We're trying to hang in there with you to the end. If you'll have us. And you may know people right now that are struggling in their walk with God, struggling with sin, can't stop, maybe not even want to stop. And what we're saying is, don't give up. Don't quit. Keep moving forward. God is the one who's going to sanctify you. It's not your job. Your job is to get closer to Him burn those impurities out of you. <laughs> uh, Pastor, we don't like to hear about fire. Pastor, I'm just trying to say what is going to happen. That's why the tests you're going through are what they are. He's trying to purify you. And once you get pure, you'll do this. Lord, help me. I can't do this without... I've tried my way. I fasted. I prayed. I read the Ten Commandments forward and backwards. I put the Ten Commandments in all the pictures of my house, my wall. It's, it's all about me and my own effort, God. But then you got to realize it ain't about you or your effort. It's about you crying out for mercy and let God do his work in your heart. But, so I'm almost done. There is some humbling in this process. You don't walk with God without getting humble. Can I get an amen in the church of God? We all going to get humbled, you all. Like, that's it. Like, we're, I've been humbled today. I was humbled earlier today. I'll be humbled by the time this day ends, at least three or four more times. That's, that's how it works. But as soon as you get to that place where you're like, no, nah, I'm not going to humble myself anymore, then you're in trouble. It's okay. God's down there with you. He's already humbled. You're becoming more like him. Let's pray. Father God, thank you this morning, Lord God, for your word of mercy, Lord. You're a merciful God. That's one of the greatest qualities that you have. Lord, you created this entire universe with just one word. But you, you want us to know that you're merciful. You're the God who resurrects the dead. But you're also the God who shows unending mercy. We don't deserve it. We don't earn it, Lord God. You, you still decide to show it to us. So I pray right now, Lord God, wherever we are in our walk with you, Lord God, we'll humble ourselves. We'll not try to find a formula of being right with you, but we'll just, we'll talk to you. We'll, we'll sit down with you, Lord God. We'll spend time with you. We'll love you. We'll get to know more about you. And we'll go to you first and foremost, Lord, above all else changes in the image of your son, Jesus Christ. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong. I'll set you as a seal upon my heart as a seal As the grave and me